This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda, and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M Hotels. They're in the tech cities. Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash the journal. The Democrats' impeachment inquiry of President Donald Trump is entering its eighth week. Over these weeks, more than a dozen witnesses have been deposed and thousands of pages of testimony have been released. But this week, a new phase of the impeachment inquiry begins. This week, we start a new chapter, which is public hearings. For the first time, we hear directly from the witnesses in the impeachment inquiry. Live on television, with the country watching, witnesses will describe what they believe has been going on between the White House and Ukraine. And the Democrats will begin to make their public case for impeaching the president. And this phase of the impeachment process is a big deal. So far, everything has been behind closed doors or taken from transcripts. But now... Now, we, the public, will be able to evaluate for ourselves the credibility, integrity, and believability of these witnesses. And this week, there are three witnesses to evaluate. Today on the show, what you need to know about these first three witnesses and how their testimony might shape the impeachment inquiry. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, November 12th. Democrats have a very, very complicated story to tell. Siobhan Hughes covers Congress. One that reaches deep into Ukrainian history, traces its way through corrupt prosecutors, involves a whole cast of American characters, including Rudy Giuliani, Defense Department officials, State Department officials. There's a million characters. Like, you can lose the public just by a bit of name diarrhea. It's just so many names. Exactly. I do think that's a challenge for Democrats. And Adam Schiff, I'm kind of fascinated by because House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff in his personal life is a writer. He likes to try to write screenplays. And so if anybody understands the narrative challenges of putting together a story with multiple characters. Adam Schiff, who represents the Los Angeles Hollywood area, is that person. And so this is going to be the biggest screenwriting challenge of his life. Public opinion about impeachment is split right now. So Schiff needs to tell a pretty compelling narrative to get the public on board. And he's just beginning to lay out the cast of characters. I think of these people in a couple of different buckets. There are people who were witnesses, who were watching the behavior of the president and mostly people around him in what you can only describe as horror. There are really some more outer circle people who were at the State Department level and people who would have been working at the White House who would have seen things on a more firsthand basis. And then, of course, the victims, people who were hurt in all of this. The victim, the State Department outer circle, and the concerned witness. One person for each bucket will testify this week. Let's start with the first, the concerned witness, who will appear on Wednesday. 
the star witness, Bill Taylor. He comes very well credentialed. He's formerly served as ambassador to Ukraine under the Bush administration. And he's somebody who has Republican credentials. He is also somebody who's got a military background. He Mm. uh, formerly served in Vietnam. He will point out that he's served the country for half of a century. For the last few months, Taylor has been the acting ambassador to Ukraine. And Ukraine is the setting for all of the questions at the heart of the impeachment inquiry. Democrats believe that President Trump acted improperly by temporarily blocking military aid to Ukraine in exchange, they allege, for the country launching investigations. One into presidential candidate Joe Biden and another into alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 U.S. election. Bill Taylor is very uniquely positioned. He, in closed doors, has described what he calls a regular and an irregular channel of policy towards Ukraine. And the regular channel would be all of the State Department officials who are going about their normal policy of trying to prevent corruption in Ukraine. The irregular channel would include people like Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, And Kurt Volker, who was the former U.S. envoy to Ukraine. What makes it irregular? Normally, U.S. foreign policy is conducted according to a very specific set of rules following interagency discussions among all of the key players. Instead, what seems to have happened here is that at a May 23rd meeting in the White House, an irate President Trump looks at three officials, Gordon Sondland, Rick Perry, and Kurt Volker, tells them that Ukraine has tried to take him out in the 2016 elections, and they have marching orders to essentially take over the Ukraine portfolio, consulting with Rudy Giuliani in the process. And it is these three men who form an irregular diplomatic channel that circumvents the normal bureaucracy, the normal conversations about what approaches to take, Bill Taylor has a foot in both camps because he gets included in a lot of the irregular conversations. And so he is a witness to a lot of what remains invisible to most people around him. What is the central moment that Bill Taylor will testify about? Bill Taylor will testify about the military aid that was withheld. Bill Taylor will testify about when he first learned the military aid was put on hold, and then later how he came to believe that military aid was part of a pressure campaign aimed at extorting, Democrats will say, investigations by Ukraine. So from the transcript— Where things become really clear for Bill Taylor is on September 7th, and they become really clear thanks to a pair of phone calls. In one phone call, Bill Taylor is on the phone with a top National Security Council official, and this person says that in this other phone call between Gordon Sondland and President Trump, Trump says, I'm not asking for a quid pro quo, but— Then Trump goes on to say that Ukrainian President Zelensky should go to a microphone and say he is opening investigations of both Joe Biden and 2016 election interference and that President Zelensky should want to do this himself. What did Bill Taylor 
think at that moment? We know what Bill Taylor was thinking because of some texts that he sent pretty nearly in the moment. And in these texts, Bill Taylor is very direct with Gordon Sondland and at some point shoots him a text saying, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. So in a nutshell, Bill Taylor grasps that is the essence of the quid pro quo. There is a quid pro quo. It involves leveraging military aid for helping Trump politically. But Bill Taylor himself never spoke to Trump about it. No, Bill Taylor did not speak to Trump about a connection between military aid and investigations. And you are bringing up what is one of the weaknesses in Bill Taylor's status as a witness, which is that his information is all indirect. And you can be sure Republicans will go after him on that. How else do you think Republicans could question Taylor? That's really going to be the big way that Republicans question Taylor by the secondhand nature of his information. And that's not nothing. The other thing Republicans have going for them right now is that all of the State Department officials involved in Ukraine have been asked to turn over their emails, their communications on WhatsApp, all forms of communications. And the State Department has not released that documentation. And so Republicans have that as an advantage. There's another point that Siobhan thinks the Republicans will try to make with Taylor. Taylor's testimony is about military aid being tied to investigations. But that's not something that President Trump explicitly did on that now infamous call with the Ukrainian president in July, which the White House released as a rough transcript. Republicans will look at that transcript and say, do you ever see the word investigation in that transcript? And for Bill Taylor, the only answer to that question is no. And so Republicans are gambling that by trying to keep the focus narrowly to the transcript of the July 25th call, they will be able to prove their case that there's no there there. But the other witnesses who will be testifying publicly this week their testimonies won't focus on what happened on that phone call. Those witnesses, after the break. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Welcome back. Another witness who will testify this week is Marie Yovanovitch. And in terms of those buckets that Siobhan mentioned, Democrats are casting Yovanovitch as a victim. 
Marie Yovanovitch is the ambassador to Ukraine for about three years. The people who know her well describe her as somebody who is an introvert, somebody who is very private, somebody who is proper in a lot of ways and likes doing things by the book. She was abruptly recalled to Washington with really not even 24 hours notice, got on a plane, flew back to the State Department, and was told, you really didn't do anything wrong, but Donald Trump, you've lost his confidence, she says in her transcripts, and since 2018, he's wanted you to go. Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's personal lawyer, had been calling for Yovanovitch's removal. Essentially, he claimed she didn't support the president, her loyalties were elsewhere, and she should go. The big thing we know about Marie Yovanovitch, and in some ways she could be the emotional center of the hearings this week, is that the deposition was so upsetting to her, recalling her experience was so upsetting that she broke down and had to stop the deposition. From talking to folks afterwards, we understand that The point she breaks down is when she's recounting the conversation she has with essentially the number two person at the State Department where he says Trump's been trying to get rid of you since 2018 and you haven't done anything wrong, but we just can't protect you anymore. It brought every single thing that happened to her together into one moment. The people who are supposed to support her, who are supposed to have her back, tell her, we can't support you, we're out. And so every single thing in her life, her professional life that she has come to count on, she cannot rely on anymore. She is a totally abandoned professional. And why do Democrats want her to be one of their first witnesses? One thing about Yovanovitch is that Because she is a diplomat, because she's very understated, and because she's a victim, she makes for a character who could have a very powerful impact on the American people. She was one of the first witnesses from whom anybody heard. And after her testimony, Democrats came out really kind of shaken, kind of stirred up, very certain that they had witnessed a powerful, I guess you could almost say dramatic moment. And so there's a gamble that Marie Ivanovich's testimony before the public is going to be emotional enough to make the public understand that these are patriots and civil servants whose leader, Donald Trump, has essentially abandoned them. To me, in some way, it feels like a red herring from this question of abuse of power, in part because the president can fire ambassadors. So how does she add to the Democrats' case for impeachment? It's true that the president can fire an ambassador anytime he wants, but the question is whether or not he's firing an ambassador purely out of personal preference or out of having a policy agenda. So how will the Republicans address her as a witness? So the Republicans have very little to attack Yovanovitch with, and that's because she is— a very proper person. She's a rule follower. She tries to do everything by the book. And so without much to go on, Jim Jordan— Who's that? Jim Jordan is a founding member of a band of Republicans called the Freedom Caucus. He is a former champion wrestler. He is super aggressive. He believes in going to the mat to attack people. And now his sights are trained on Yovanovitch. 
Jordan has a problem, which is he's got very little ammunition with which to attack Yovanovitch. And so one of the things he's going to seize on is the July 25th phone call in which President Trump says that Marie Yovanovitch is a bad woman, and Ukraine's president largely agrees with that. What is Jordan's basis here? He's going to say, you know, Ms. Yovanovitch, you have spoken very highly of President Zelensky. So if President Zelensky is agreeing with Donald Trump that you're not a good ambassador, what does that say about you? The question of credibility, which could come up in Yovanovitch's hearing, could also be central to Republican questioning of the third witness this week, one of Yovanovitch's former bosses. He falls into the bucket of people in the administration's outer circle. George Kent is a lifelong State Department employee. He has served a couple of different stints in Ukraine before returning back to the home office. His title is technically Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Europe, Eastern Europe, and the Caucasus. But as a practical matter, he is somebody who knows all of the figures in Ukraine. He knows which prosecutors are corrupt. He knows how to have conversations with very high-level people in Ukraine. And from this network, he is privy to Rudy Giuliani and Rudy Giuliani's interactions with the Ukrainians. And all of these Ukrainians are telling George Kent about how Rudy Giuliani is meeting with some corrupt prosecutors, that the prosecutors are up to no good, and Mr. Kent thinks that is not okay. And why do House Democrats want George Kent to be one of their first witnesses? This hearing with Kent— is a chance for Democrats to tell the story within the story. One missing piece in all of this is what is driving Donald Trump? Why does he get whipped up into a fury over Ukraine? So the basis of Donald Trump's requests for an investigation into the bogus theory that Ukraine meddled in the 2016 elections, that is all coming from these prosecutors who George Kent will be able to say have their own corrupt motives wanting to mount a disinformation campaign. And with George Kent, how might the Republicans in the House question him? Well, George Kent is in the State Department, and he's not at that very top level. And so the universe of information to which George Kent is privy is a lot smaller. And so When Republicans address George Kent, they're going to see somebody who really has no firsthand information of any wrongdoing. George Kent, they will say, is someone who just has sentiments. He just has feelings about what happened or what he saw. The onus will be on Democrats and Adam Schiff to take the testimony given by George Kent, Marie Yovanovitch, and Bill Taylor and make it feel like a coherent narrative, one that supports impeachment. Taken together, Democrats hope these three witnesses will show a group of patriots committed to supporting Ukraine against Russian aggression, to keeping Europe a vital ally, free and whole, and that these witnesses, these State Department officials acting out of patriotic duty, were essentially abandoned by Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump, who put his own political interests first. And what are the Republicans hoping to do with this week? So Republicans are hoping to 
undermine the case for impeachment by showing that these witnesses have no firsthand information of any wrongdoing by Donald Trump themselves may not be credible, and Republicans are also hoping to muddy the waters and leave the public perplexed and confused about what happened. Republicans have also tried to write their own narrative into the impeachment story by asking for their witnesses to be included. Among the people they want to call are the whistleblower whose complaints started it all, and Hunter Biden, son of Joe Biden whose role on the board of a Ukrainian company is the subject of one investigation Trump wanted. Democrats, though, have the power to veto those witnesses. And for now, none are scheduled to appear. That's all for today, Tuesday, November 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening.